Second and 26 is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Alabama football ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Bama plays in Tuscaloosa this Saturday against Arkansas at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Ticket prices start as low as $26 on the GameTime app. I think you would be hard-pressed to find a deal like the one GameTime offers. If you're debating traveling to this weekend's game and still need tickets, check out GameTime. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome into Second and Twenty Six, your dedicated Alabama podcast here on the Athletic. It's Monday. That means this is a free edition of the podcast. Hope you've been enjoying them this year, and uh, hopefully you've uh, taken that free trial and converted that over to a membership uh, and a subscription. We'd love for that to happen. If you haven't already, you can always get in on that one week free trial. Now's as good as time as any. Because there's a lot of news right now around this Alabama football program, and not all of it good. Of course, Alabama knocks off Tennessee 35-13, extends the winning streak in that series to 13 consecutive wins in the third Saturday in October. But it did not come um, free because in the second quarter, the outstanding junior quarterback, Tua Tonga-Valoa, gets his ankle rolled up on as he's running out of the pocket to the left. Uh, he exits the game, never to be seen again on Saturday night. Uh, he briefly left the stadium, had some testing done, then came back to the stadium, had surgery on that ankle on Sunday morning, and now is going to start um, basically rehabbing it. Well, not right now. Right now he's going to be non-weight-bearing for a few days, and then at about the 10-day mark post-surgery, he can – really start getting uh, aggressive with his rehabilitation. What that means for Alabama is uh, there will be no Tua Tonga-Valoa at quarterback uh, Saturday night against the Arkansas Razorbacks. And it it ends one of the more remarkable streaks uh, in Alabama football history. You have to go back to 2004, the last time an Alabama quarterback missed a start due to injury. That's remarkable. Um, that, that string of, you know, 15 years, um, without losing a starting quarterback, um, for a game due to injuries, just, it doesn't happen. Um, look around the SEC just this year at how many quarterbacks at other programs have had to come in and play due to injury. So, um, that streak ends. And of course, now the question becomes, how long does, does Tua miss? How long is he out? Um, we, you just, there's no way of knowing. Nick Saban on Saturday night told ESPN it would be a couple weeks uh, in the post game press conference, said a week or two, and uh, he's putting no time, no time frame on it now. Uh, it's it's all about how Tongavaloa's body, how fast it, you know, is able to 
to, to go through rehabilitation and how quickly he can, he can get in somewhat um, game shape in terms of being able to play and move and protect himself and, and all that stuff because they're not going to put him out there if he, if he can't protect himself and he can't move. Fortunately, it's, uh, it's not the same ankle that he injured last year. It's uh, it's the different angle uh, ankle rather, and fortunately, it's not um, it's not his plant ankle. Um, so, those are a couple of of positives in it. But uh, part of his game is moving around in the pocket, and so he's going to have to be mobile to some extent. And you know, whether he's back in time for the LSU game becomes the all important question because uh, LSU's rolling right now. LSU's number two in the country. That's going to be the biggest game in college football in the regular season this year, it looks like. And it would real, real be a, really be a shame for all of people who love college football if, if two is not able to go on that one. You'd like to see both teams fully healthy. Um, and we'll see. I, I do tend to think he will play, but I don't think it's realistic that he'll be anywhere close to 100%. Uh, anyone that's had that has suffered a high ankle sprain can tell you they can linger for a while. And, um, you know, the, the good, the good thing is Alabama's had a few of these, you know, that tightrope surgery that, that Tua underwent on Sunday morning is the same surgery that, that Cam Robinson had in 2014. If you'll recall 2014, Cam Robinson has a severe high ankle sprain in the Tennessee game, uh, in Nayland stadium in Knoxville. And, um, he has the the surgery on his ankle, and fortunately for Alabama, there was a bye week the next week. So he was able to rehab, get back out there, and guess what? He played in two weeks. He played left tackle against LSU in Tiger Stadium two weeks after ankle surgery. So it can be done. Now, there's also the, the little context. That's an offensive lineman. Um He's not asked to move around as much as a quarterback and the sharp cuts and stuff that a quarterback would be required to do. Um, we'll, we'll keep track of it. It's uh, I, I can tell you from the people I talked to, it was a bad high ankle sprain. And what's weird about the whole thing is if you go back and look, he stayed in the game for a couple of plays, I believe. And it did not look like a bad injury at the time. And he even walked off the field when he went into the locker room. It didn't look like he was limping that much, but they obviously had the surgery for a reason. Uh, it's going to, it's a, it's a healing process. Nick Saban, when, when he brought it up today, um, cause, cause he knew what was going to happen. He said the surgery was successful there's no real timetable for his return, but the expectation is he will be non-weight-bearing for several days, and then he'll be able to come back as his rehab allows him. We're hopeful that in a 10-day period, he'll be able to be back doing active-type rehab, and we'll see how it goes from there. But these things are pretty unpredictable at this point. So that's that's not really a timetable. Nick Saban talking about the 10-day period when they're hoping to be able to bring him back and do active type rehab. So it's really going to be, you know, 10 days out before he can do any real active rehab. Um, but we'll keep an eye on it. It's, um, it's unfortunate. He was having a great season and, uh, already, uh, 
the fact that he's been injured and the fact that he's going to miss at least one game has affected his Heisman Trophy odds. He's um, He dropped. I think he's now – there are two guys above him. Joe Burrow's above him. Jalen Hurts is above him. So it, uh, it it hurt him from that from that aspect. The odds on his um, on on the Heisman Trophy, and you, you just got to start thinking about what this offense looks like without him. And I don't think it's real fair to make any snap judgments about about Mac Jones after. Saturday night, and and there's a few reasons for that. Mac Jones came in the game cold. Mac Jones did not have a game plan for his skill sets. Um, now every coach will tell you, and and they're fond of doing this. It's it's sort of like the way to keep the keep the non-starters motivated. But they always say they they want if you're a backup that you should take every opportunity to prepare like you're going to be the starter, regardless of what position you're in. That's the way you should practice, right? Well, while that is true, it's also true, and and no one's really going to be shocked by this, but Mac Jones isn't Tua Tonga-Valoa. He doesn't have his release. He doesn't have his mobility. He doesn't have his accuracy. So what you run and what they installed for Tennessee was a game plan that was very much geared toward what Tua does well, which is a lot of RPOs. I don't know if you noticed or not, but we didn't see. I don't remember seeing any. I I haven't gone back and watched the game since Saturday, but just off the top of my head, when, when Mac Jones went in the game, I don't remember seeing a lot of RPO. So you have to adapt to what Mac Jones does well. And that doesn't mean that you can't play winning football with Mac Jones. It just means it's it's different. Now, we'll get into the whole can Alabama beat LSU with Mac Jones. We're going to set that discussion aside for a moment. But you can play winning football with Mac Jones. I, I firmly believe that. He's a good enough quarterback. He's been in the system long enough. He knows those receivers. Um, he, he didn't light it up. When he came in the game, he was uh, six of eleven for seventy-two yards. Now he had a couple drops from his wide receivers in that game, and Nick Saban even referenced one third down where where he he missed a throw that that could have been there. But you can still implement a game plan with what Mac Jones does to win a football game, especially over Arkansas. And, but I'll also caution everyone that this ain't 2012 anymore. Mac Jones's skill sets very much translate to a 2012 Alabama team, a team that can run the football, is dominant up front. You hand the ball off and you play action pass off that. And then you play great defense and you go win a national championship. I don't think this Alabama team is is geared that way. This is a a team that throws the football around a lot because you want to get the football to your three or four best offensive players. And that's the wide receivers. That makes sense. 
So they're not going to suddenly shift that mindset to go full on 2012 Alabama just because two is hurt. Now, I do think they're going to run the ball more Saturday night against Arkansas. I think you're going to see that. And I do think the play action passing game will be a part of that. And it, and it also helps that Alabama has been able to run the football well the last few weeks. We just saw Najee Harris post his second consecutive 100-yard game. That's his third 100-yard game for the season. I also don't think it's a coincidence that the running game's getting going and the offensive line um, played its second game with Landon Dickerson at center with Deontay Brown at right guard. I think they found – I think this is your starting offensive line going forward. They found the chemistry that works. Landon's at center. Deontay Brown. Cornbread's at right guard. They're getting movement up front. Pass protection's been really good. So I do think because of that, you can incorporate some of that 2012 offense this year. You can run the ball effectively. What happens when you run the ball effectively? Well, defenses have to honor that. And that's when the play-action pass becomes dangerous. That's They can incorporate some of that. They absolutely can, and I fully expect them to. That's the strength of, of how Mac Jones plays, but uh, they're not going to completely abandon throwing the football around. You've got to get the football to those wide receivers. And Sark's offense is uh, is a rhythm offense. It's uh, a lot of short passes in that offense. And Tua was doing really well in that. We'll have to see. The one thing we don't know about Mac Jones is how quickly he gets through his reads. One thing I do know is his release is not Tua's. The release of the football is not Tua's. It's not going to be. So uh, from that aspect, I do I do think that can affect the RPO quick slants. That's what made Tua so dangerous with that, guys. His release is unbelievably quick. The ball comes out quick. Mac doesn't have that same release. So the timing is going to be a little off there. You're going to see slant routes now, I think, where the wide receivers get tackled after the slant. Whereas with two of the ball, was it was such a timing thing. It was coming out so quickly, and it was on the button, that it was a ton of yards after catch. I mean, that's Alabama's defining stat this year, is yards after the catch. Um, they're deadly in that, and I think that's going to be affected to some extent. Mac Jones is just a different quarterback. So how much the offense looks different, I can't wait to see Saturday night. And then, then after that, guys, it just becomes a waiting game. And it's going to be, listen, it's going to be a torturous three weeks. I can go ahead and tell you that. There are already Twitter accounts out there that, that, that are making up fake information. There are Twitter accounts out there. I saw one today that claims that Alabama had a team meeting to, to announce to the team that, that two is not going to play against, L, against LSU and, and to talk about what, how they were going to do things. Well, first of all, that's that's just not how things are done. You don't call a team meeting to tell everyone that, that a guy's not going to play in three weeks when he hasn't even they don't even know if he's going to be able to play. That you can listen. You just don't call a team meeting for that kind of stuff. Okay, I mean that's the coaches and they they make those decisions and they're not calling a team meeting to say that the quarterback's not playing in a game that's two weeks away, three weeks away. That's not the one. That's not the way Alabama operates. Does that sound like anything Alabama would do? Does that, sound, does that sound remotely like anything Nick Saban would allow to happen for his program? Now it could have been if they're having a players-only meeting and they're speculating. Sure, okay, 
But Alabama's not calling a meeting and sitting down and telling you that there's the, the star quarterback's not playing against LSU. Because LSU's not the next team they play. So Nick Saban would... That, that goes against everything Nick Saban stands for. He's not talking to the team about LSU right now. They don't play LSU this week. That's just an example of the stuff you're going to see. You're going to see people that that have scoop breaking news and I, my friend has class with so-and-so and this is what they... I mean, just prepare for three weeks of that because that's what's coming and it's really going to ramp up after Arkansas because then there's a bye week and then it'll be the game of the century part part two and there's going to be more hype around that game than any college football game this year and when there's a vacuum of information when there's a lack of information and there's no oxygen to feed that fire someone's going to especially in this, this age of social media there are going to be a ton of rumors so just go ahead and prepare yourself for a ton of I heard this. Well, I heard that. Listen, bottom line is no one knows if he's going to be able to play right now. The doctors couldn't tell you. Tua can't tell you. Nick Saban can't tell you. Right now, no one knows if Tua Tongavaloa is going to be able to play on November 9th. I do know that Alabama's had this specific injury a lot, and they've had a lot of success with it in getting players returned. How this one shakes out, I don't know. And no one else out there knows either. Not some random Twitter account that cut, that tweets a lot about college football. Nobody knows. So we'll just put our head down, keep turning the calendar page every day, and then when we get the week of the game, we'll know a lot more. But right now nobody knows, and it's gonna be it's gonna be the silly season until then. But at least right now the team has Arkansas to focus on, and then after that it's it's really gonna get crazy. Hey, if you're not listening to Seth Emerson and Rennie Curran on the Athletics Georgia Bulldogs podcast called Damn Good Podcast, then it's about time you do. In today's show, Rennie, who was once a linebacker for the Bulldogs, analyzed Georgia's defense and their shout-out and their shutout win against Kentucky. Make sure to click the follow button on the Damn Good Podcast show page for updates when new episodes release. Did you guys catch uh, number 24 on Saturday night? Terrell Lewis is catching fire. He had another two sacks. That's his um, second consecutive game with two sacks. And suddenly, just, just like this, just like the snap of your finger, Terrell Lewis leads the SEC in sacks. This is the player I thought we would see from, from, from jump this year. This is the player that I thought would... Give Alabama's defense a chance to be really good. Now I couldn't have, I couldn't have foreseen that both of your starting inside linebackers would be wiped out before the first game of the season. So you got to, you got to throw that in too. I, I couldn't have foreseen that Terrell Lewis would be injured for the first part of the season, but now he's healthy, he's practicing, and he's getting to the quarterback. Four sacks in two games. He's got six on the season. He leads the SEC in sacks. And he's turning it on. And this defense needs that because you know the offense they're going to face in a few weeks. And you know that that a pass rush against any offense that likes to throw the football a lot is a, is a premium. We saw, what, we saw what happened when Florida lost its two great defensive ends against LSU. And LSU put up, what, 42 points? 
So the fact that Terrell Lewis is playing really good football right now is a very positive thing for this Alabama team. And now you're going to start to have to slide protection his way. I think that's going to be a that's going to have to be part of offense's game plans moving forward. Is you're going to have to slide protection his way. And that's going to leave one-on-one matchups for Anthony Jennings and one-on-one matchups for DJ Dale and Justin Aboigby and Byron Young. By- Byron Young's playing a lot of football. Byron Young started on Saturday. I don't know if you guys caught that. But Byron Young started. So just another one of these true freshmen that are playing for this Alabama defense. But, you know, Nick Saban was asked about LeBron Ray today. He said there was no update. You know, hopefully they can get him back at some point in the season. He would bolster that pass rush as well. But what you got going now is is a positive sign because Alabama's pass rush, I wrote about it earlier this year for The Athletic. It's just, it hadn't been good. And now all of a sudden, one guy, which is all it took, I said, you got to have Terrell Lewis turn it on. You got to have Raekwon Davis turn it on. One of those two guys has got to be the guy that gives you push up front. And all of a sudden, Terrell Lewis has done it. In the snap of a finger, he's turned it on. And suddenly, um, he's the player that we all thought he was, uh, that he was going to be, which is exciting to see, certainly for Terrell Lewis. Alabama special teams coverage is still really good. They did make a move at punter, Will Reichard. Um, hurt his hip again. Now, Will wasn't the kicker on Saturday night, but he did punt, and he hurt himself. He re-injured his hip. He's going to be out for a while. So the, I don't know if you saw, but number 99 was the punter, and his name is, uh, I think his first name is Ty. So he, he booted a 50-yarder. And he, listen, there are already Twitter accounts dedicated to this guy. He's a walk-on punter from Prattville. We've covered the fact that Alabama's punting this year has been dreadful. Like like 129 out of 130. I mean, I'm talking dreadful. They've been horrible at punting. And they finally uh, had a position because of, of Reichard's injury on Saturday night that they brought in the walk-on. And he punted pretty well. He had a 50-plus 50, a 50 yarder and, and then went down the field and made the tackle on it. You heard me right. He punted at 50 yards, and then he stuck his nose in there and got a tackle. His teammates ate it up. I don't know if you guys ever noticed that that the starters, the scholarship guys get really excited when a walk-on does something. I'm talking they, they, they get hype. They really love it when walk-ons have success, and they were pumped that, that Ty Pirine got in the game, kicked the ball, Kicked it well. I mean, they were they were very excited about that. So we'll see. Looks like he's going to be the punter on Saturday night versus Arkansas. Then again, the bye week, and we'll see where where Will Reichard is because without Reichard, and I'm not even talking about punting. I mean, he was going to be your kicker this year, and another missed field goal from Alabama on Saturday. I mean, rinse and repeat. It's the same story year after year after year. They can't make a damn field goal to save their life. And if they're ever in a game where it's going to come down, well, just close your eyes and the noise inside the stadium will, or from your television will probably tell you where you end up there. I, again, I mentioned it earlier in, in the show. 
I think it's a real positive sign that Najee Harris has gotten – he's getting rolling. Just had his third 100-yard game of the season. Do you notice how they're using him out of the backfield? Now, I don't know how that changes with the quarterback change uh, with, with Tua being out, but Tua was really making Najee Harris a weapon in the backfield, which was, which was, I mean, fun to see. It was just – we were talking about this earlier today. I mean, if that becomes – a regular thing, Alabama's offense is almost unstoppable at that point. I mean, if you can check down to your running back and you're getting seven, eight yards a clip, you can go over the top with any of those receivers. They can take short passes for touch. I mean, and now the running game's getting going. I do think there's an argument to be made. We're really tough on Alabama because we have a very high standard based on what Alabama has achieved in the past. We're talking about the offensive line playing better. We're all of a sudden talking about the running game becoming a thing for Alabama. Tua's injury notwithstanding, that's that's a bummer. That's a, that's clearly a negative. But now we're starting to see the pass rush is picking up. It does appear if if Tua comes back, is healthy, and he can play, this team is getting better every week. I don't think that we could say that last year. Um, and part of it is because they they were so good from jump last year. And there was really not a ton of room for growth. But this year, there clearly is. And they are taking that step each and every week to get a little better. Hey, come come back on Friday for the subscribers-only podcast on 2nd and 26. Again, try that free trial. You, you will not be disappointed until that time. I'm Aaron Suttles, Alabama beat writer for The Athletic. You can catch me on WJOX Monday through Friday from 10 to 2, signing off on 2nd and 26.